Hello there, this is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top stories in regulatory affairs with the help of our team of reporters around the globe. My name is James Paniki. It's great to be with you again after a few weeks away, and I hope you've been well wherever you may be listening. Now, in just over 10 minutes' time, we'll be talking about smart vehicles and what the Chinese government is doing to encourage their development and to regulate the industry. And as we'll see, it's a tricky balance and one that takes in both privacy and security concerns. Our mobility reporter, Shu Wan, will walk us through that fascinating issue. First up, though, a global acquisition that has attracted our attention. US chipmaker NVIDIA has agreed to buy ARM, that's A-R-M, a UK chip designer, for 40 billion US dollars. It's a deal that ticks all of our boxes. It's a vertical arrangement, there's technology involved, considerations of national interest and post-Brexit regulatory rivalry. What is there not to like about that deal? And this week, the news that the EU regulator, the European Commission, is reviewing the acquisition, a decision that had been a while coming. Natalie McNeilis covers mergers from Brussels. Hers was the scoop on Wednesday evening that the deal's notification had been filed to the European Commission, and she joins me now. Nat, uh, very nice job there. Kudos, praise and admiration for that report. <laughs> Thank you very much. I have to say it was a really a long time coming. We've been waiting. You know, they announced the deal in September 2020 and we understood that basically from the get-go, the companies were already talking to the European Commission. So we've been, you know, waiting from all for all that time for the notification. Of course, pre-notification generally takes a long time, but a, a year that's a bit of uh, that's a bit of a, of a record. And um, so we were really excited to get the scoop on it. Why do you think it took so long? You know, I think it's it's a big deal. It's forty billion dollars. I think it's even worth more now because the Nvidia part of the compensation was based on the stock price of Nvidia, and Nvidia stock has gone up in the meantime. So I've heard you know upwards of fifty billion dollars, and so that's one thing. It's also it's in the tech industry, and nowadays antitrust authorities are really skittish when it comes to tech deals. They've been criticized for letting them go through too easily and they're concerned about long term its long term impact at things that they can't even quite foresee so they tend to take a careful look and also in this case they've got opposition from big players like Intel and Qualcomm Microsoft Apple and when you have companies like that speaking up you you want to take a careful look at what they are saying well let's try to tease that out why is there that opposition what exactly are they complaining about well, this deal involves NVIDIA, which is one of their major competitors. It's a big tech company. It's the company that invented the GPU. That's the graphics card that powers uh, video games. And it's turned out to be useful in many different applications in the Internet of Things for artificial intelligence. And NVIDIA is buying ARM. ARM is basically the world's best, the foremost uh, chip designer it designs the architecture of the chip. And it does that for NVIDIA, but it also does it for Intel and Qualcomm and Apple and Microsoft. ARM is, as from everything I've heard in my reporting, it's the best in the world. They've got the top engineers in the industry. And they've always just been a pure IP licensing company. So they were neutral. They didn't play favorites. And there's a worry that once this deal is done, ARM will play favorites and NVIDIA will get the best stuff. 
Now that for competition nerds becomes uh, of particular interest because in theory that should be allowed. I mean, there's no competitive overlap here. So what's the state of play there? Yeah, you're right. That's There's no direct overlap. It's, NVIDIA is buying a service supplier, one of its service suppliers. So there's not really any direct elimination of competition. competition. It's what we call a vertical deal. And those are rarely blocked because, like you say, it's not like the merger is removing one of NVIDIA's competitors. But the competitors say, wait a minute, okay, maybe NVIDIA buying ARM doesn't remove a competitor right now, but the long-term consequence will be the loss of competition. NVIDIA is going to monopolize ARM. The rest of us are going to be cut off from the most primo IP in the world. And ultimately, that means NVIDIA will have basically neutralized its competition. But this puts regulators in a slightly tricky position, doesn't it? I mean, what what can a regulator do about that, given the dynamics of this vertical uh, vertical deal? Exactly. You're right. It's, it's a difficult case for the regulators because in a horizontal deal, like where you have a, one company buying one of its competitors, if they are getting too much market share, you say, okay, look, you're going to have to sell off some of the stores in that area because you've got, basically, you've cornered the market. You've got to let some other, somebody else compete in that. So you're going to have to sell off one of those stores. Well, here, obviously, we don't have anything like that. There's no overlaps. There's nothing they can sell. I mean, in, in trying to keep the two companies divided kind of undermines the entire rationale of the whole deal. So I think if they told NVIDIA, you've got to, you know, hold the arm separate, they'd say, well, what's the point in buying arms? So um, they really have trouble deciding how to solve the problem. And you can already see signs that there's likely to be some clashes between the regulators, particularly what we're watching is the approach of the UK versus the approach of the EU. Uh, we, we love that kind of post-Brexit regulatory tension. Uh, <laughs> t- tell me more, what do I need to know about that? Well, yeah, that's a, it's things have, you know, it's not, it's not all beautiful in the post-Brexit world, in the world of competition law. The competition world used to be, you know, quite, let's say, collaborative and cooperative and now less so between the UK and the EU. And the reason this is really important in this case is that ARM is based in the United Kingdom. It's based in Cambridge. And so the immediate reaction to the NVIDIA takeover in the United Kingdom was concerns about the UK's national security. They weren't happy to you know, lose control over this uh, pearl. You know, It's sensitive technology. They didn't want uh, it to be, to be under the control of an American company who might in some way restrict its use, even in the UK. You know how the the United States sometimes says that uh, chips that it has designed can't be in uh, can't be exported to certain countries. So the UK started to worry about a lot of things like that, and so they launched a national security review back in April, and that also included competition aspects. So it sort of accelerated the the competition review of the deal. And the CMA just came out, the the Competition Markets Authority in the United Kingdom just came out with their preliminary opinion in July, and it doesn't look good for NVIDIA. They said this deal is too complex, it needs to go for an in-depth investigation, so, you know, a second phase. And NVIDIA had already proffered some sort of behavioral remedies, you know, that, that they said would solve the problem. 
And the CMA said, no, we don't agree. We don't think they're going to do the trick. Ah, yes. The uh, the issue of behavioral remedies, we've talked about this before. We've talked about the uh, growing resentment among regulators uh, around the world um, when it comes to behavioral remedies. They always argue that structural remedies are preferable, that behavioral remedies are unenforceable. How does that discussion fit into uh, what's going on here? Yeah, I think behavioral remedies, I think if there's anybody who um, is friendly to behavioral remedies, let's say more friendly than other regulators, it's the EU. And so what happens with a, a behavioral remedy is that the company like here, NVIDIA says, I promise I will behave correctly in the future. I will keep on licensing the ARM IP non-discriminatorily. I won't cut anybody off. I won't play favorites. I won't favor myself. And that's the kind of remedy that the EU might entertain. It sounds a lot like the kind of solution it accepted when it allowed the Google Fitbit uh, merger. Uh, very Very controversial because other regulators around the world, including Australia, rejected uh, rejected those remedies so it, it it is and remains very controversial that decision yes exactly i mean you know there was a lot of discussion there because also it was a it was a kind of a, a conglomerate merger it's not exactly vertical because fitbit wasn't providing services to google but it's in the same sphere it's in the same domain and they there was a lot of discussion of well don't let google buy anything we don't want google to get anything more it's already big enough and if they get all that fitbit data who knows what they're going to do with it but strictly speaking there wasn't a really strong case for for blocking it and so the eu was kind of in a bind and they negotiated and accepted a whole raft of uh, behavioral remedies about how google would use or not use the fitbit data about how it would treat fitbit competitors like garmin in the future and it was pretty, you know, it's a, it's a complex web of remedies that they accepted and long term, you know, for more than 10, for 10 years and possibly even 20. And other regulators, the UK, CMA, Australia, came right out and said, this is, this is a nightmare. We would never have accepted these kind of remedies. They, some deals just ought to be blocked. So if you have all that in the background, you know that the EU is a little bit more friendly to behavioral and you know that the CMA has already said we don't like these behavioral remedies. It's uh, it's already a bit uh, worrying. You know, the, the CMA said they looked at what NVIDIA offered and they said, look, we don't think it's possible to really isolate, delineate, describe all the conduct that would have to be controlled for the future. You know, these markets are changing so rapidly, the the technology is changing so rapidly that to make a lasting remedy is just really impossible. And also, we don't want to monitor it and enforce it over, you know, the next 20 years. We just, some deals just really aren't appropriate for behavioral remedies. So you can see the stage is set. <laughs> We're expecting a clash um, because the UK has really been pretty firm. And that's what it's all about, right? The uh, the UK reclaiming its uh, its regulatory sovereignty, which is what Brexit was meant to be all about. So, can we safely assume that there are going to be some fireworks here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, on uh, to one extent. You could imagine them uh, really coming to uh, coming it coming to a head, you know, and having a real clash between the regulators. But the uh, the sort of wild card here is that the UK is really so far out ahead of the EU in its review. I mean. 
they're already deciding whether or not they want to open a, a phase two investigation. And the EU, like, you know, just has started phase one. So that means that the UK is further down the line. If they keep up uh, the momentum, they might actually decide the case before the EU even gets there. And then the EU won't have to take a position. So if the UK decides to prohibit the whole deal, it's over. It's over everywhere. So for the moment, all eyes are on the UK. And then we'll be looking at the EU and the US and perhaps maybe worrying, most worrying of all, China has to approve the deal too. Yeah, so it's it's looking like a, a bit of a tough time ahead for uh, for this deal and for NVIDIA, right? Yes, I think what we can say with certainty is that NVIDIA has a pretty treacherous regulatory path ahead of it, and we'll be following it every step of the way. Natalie, thank you so much uh, for walking us through this. I know that you have to be somewhere right now, so thank you for taking the time. Absolutely, it was my pleasure. Natalie McNellis, an MLEX merger reporter, speaking to us from Brussels And just ahead of the EU announcement, Natalie put together a great piece of analysis on this deal and how it's playing out in the European context, and also that cleavage between the EU and the UK regulators that we just heard about. So you'd be crazy not to read it right away. It can be found at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X, marketinsight.com. Just head for the News Hub tab. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. I'm James Paniki. Thank you for making it this far. And you can subscribe to MLEX's podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Leave a review where possible and please help us spread the word. Now, as our subscribers would no doubt already be aware, MLEX has started up a new service – A trend we've been seeing over the past year or two is that the digital revolution has gone beyond the desktops and mobile devices that dominate our lives and are now transforming traditional industries around us. At the same time, the green agenda is spreading to all industries tasked with meeting climate challenges. So those twin tech and green revolutions have been felt very keenly in the area of transportation and all of the services that go with it. Car makers in particular are seeing a future of data-backed automated driving and the end of the combustion engine. Companies such as Uber, Tesla and Lime have become very much household names. And at MLEX, we're following that developing story by focusing specialist reporters and a stream of content on the world of future mobility. One of the reporters spearheading our coverage is Shu Wan, who joins us today from Hong Kong. Next week, we'll catch up with Jakob Krupa, who is working on our mobility coverage from London. Now, Shu Wan, you've been looking at how this story is unfolding in China, and we'll link to some of your reporting at our webpage. But first up, uh, maybe the best thing is to uh, remind us of what Chinese authorities are doing about the regulation of the smart vehicle industry. Um, Thanks, James. So over the past few months, uh, Chinese regulators have been busy. And the most active of them all, I think, is the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. Um, It is commonly known as MIIT. So MIIT is a powerful ministry in China. It has a wide range of industries under its mandate, including the automobile sector, but it It is also in charge of the telecom sector and uh, the internet sectors. So 
Apart from the MIT, there are the Cyberspace Administration, which is the internet regulator in the country,、uh, the Ministry of Technology,、uh, and the State Administration for Market Regulation. So these regulators have been、um, considering, working on, and publishing various regulatory documents、uh, in areas relevant to the auto sector.、Uh, these include、uh, regulations on market entry,、uh, battery recycling. Uh, pricing, carbon emission, and cybersecurity-related、uh, issues. All right. Well, tell me something about the background of these actions. What's the type of thinking, and what are the type of issues that might lie behind them? Yeah, sure. So China has always been、um, very ambitious about becoming a leader in the、uh, adoption of clean energy cars or electric cars for for years. In China, they call them、uh, new energy cars. And the government has injected big amount of subsidies、uh, into the sector in the past years. Most recently,、um, the ambition is laid out in a document called、uh, "Clean Energy Vehicle Industry Development Plan、uh, for 2021 to 2035." According to that document, the goal is by 2025, 20% of the cars being sold in China、uh, should be electric cars. Uh, there should be partial commercialization of highly autonomous driving, and also convenient、uh, charging facilities. And on a higher level,、uh, China's 14th five-year plan, which is an economic blueprint,、uh, also has mentioned、uh, promoting clean, clean energy cars and intelligent connected vehicles. So, following a few years of、um, rapid development, the regulators now think it's necessary to make sure that there are、uh, regulations in place. Um, for example, a vice minister of the MIT recently mentioned at a conference that、uh, if regulation fails to keep up, security issues,、uh, including cyber attacks and internet breaches, may result in significant、uh, security risks for the for the sector. So, to promote electric cars is also in line with China's carbon neutrality、uh, goals. Uh, the country aims to achieve carbon emission peak in 2030 and、uh, carbon neutrality in 2060. Okay, so so much for the regulation here. But above and beyond that, what are China's、uh, many regulators up to on this front? What kind of action are they taking or likely to take?、Um, yeah, so China has always come up with、um, various ways to encourage、um, technological. Uh, innovation since the beginning, the government is doing a lot to push the development of the sector,、um, such as、uh, using subsidies, policy support, and、uh, various projects to award technological、uh, breakthroughs. Some of the key areas that they think、um, are important are battery, electric power systems,、uh, connected vehicle technology, and low emission technologies. Um, so, an official from the Ministry of Technology、uh, recently said that the ministry will continue to support research and development projects focusing on、uh, power, autonomous driving, and the integration of the car and the internet. And, for example, the the MIT recently、uh, relaxed the registration and reporting rules for product changes, hoping to help、uh, companies in the sector. That are going through the chip shortage、uh, for automobiles,、uh, and locally, a lot of Chinese cities have also rolled out their own policy support、uh, to encourage development of 
charging network and also road testing of connected cars.、Um, there are Beijing,、uh, Shanghai, Shenzhen, and Guangzhou. Now, in your reporting, you have pointed to some of the issues that stand out here.、Uh, maybe,、uh, if you wouldn't mind, just walking us through some of those issues. I think、um, for the regulation of the auto sector,、uh, the cybersecurity, data security, and similar issues are definitely some of the more important ones, as people are now expecting autonomous or、uh, self-driving cars. For example,、uh, these issues are listed as、uh, important factors in granting market access、uh, in rules published by the MIT. Um, the regulator or the rules ask companies to have in, an internal cybersecurity department and to fulfill reporting responsibilities、uh, in security breaches. Another regulator, the Cyberspace Administration,、uh, which plays a leading role in building China's data protection regime,、uh, recently introduced some regulations for. Data security in the auto sector.、Uh, it covers not only car makers but also、uh, any company、uh, that has business in the auto sector, such as ride-hailing companies or、uh, connected car system um, companies. Um, so th- this, the, reg- the data security regulation set out、uh, rules on data localization, which is consistent with China's broader data protection rules,、uh, as well as specific. Uh, requirements for personal information and what they call important data. So, important data is a very、uh, important concept developed by the Chinese authorities. It means all the data that's considered important to the state when it comes to issues such as national security and economic、uh, development. And such data is subject to、uh, stricter rules、uh, than usual. Okay, so what is on the horizon? What should we expect to come next here? A lot of the regulations that we write about are still drafts, or they, there are m- more standards that regulators said they are going to、uh, to formulate. So I think there will be more regulation making activities、um, in the future.、Uh, I, I, I also expect regulators. In their enforcement, to be、uh, more active, for example, the State Administration for Market Regulation, which is China's market or antitrust regulator, recently started to investigate alleged、um, illegal practices that could have caused the chip shortage, which are making headlines these days.、Um, it also sent a warning to the vehicle inspection、uh, sector, stressing that.、Uh, Uh, services provided to clean energy cars should be、uh, transparent or reasonable. So I expect there will be more actions along、mm. this line. Okay, Shuwan, it has been great talking. As always, it's a fascinating、uh, subject matter. So thank you for all of the attention that you and Jakub have been able to give it over the past few weeks and months. Thanks, James. Shuwan is an Mlex Future Mobility reporter, and she was speaking to me there from Hong Kong. And we'll post a selection of Shuwan's recent stories at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight or one word dot com. And the News Hub tab is where you need to be for the very best of Mlex's reporting and analysis. Alas, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. I'm James Paniki, Mlex's Asia Pacific senior editor, 
and from everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you very much for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now.